Well, today is special for many reasons. One is that all of our family is here to get together celebrating that Matilda's cancer treatments are behind her. Hey, how about that? Man, she has not been allowed to be a part of a public gathering since Christmas. So we are just really, really thankful that she's here for many reasons. Now, this is the Sunday. This is the Sunday that all other Sundays... Hang on. The empty tomb is an open, aggressive, confident, unapologetic defiance of death. That's what this is. His cross paid the price for our sin. His resurrection showed us the way home. Now, Garrison Keeler tells an awkward but funny story about a time when he and his parents went to visit an aunt who was lonely, and she was going through a rough time because she had just lost her husband of 55 years. Well, Garrison describes from his 10-year-old mind what this aunt looked like. He wrote, her dress was stained with food spots, her makeup was heavy on one side, her lipstick was crooked, her fake pearls didn't go with her dress. She sat at the table, and they were eating together, the five of them, and the aunt began to cry. I have nothing left to live for. I might as well die. And she kept crying and talking as she was chewing her food. Garrison was noticing this. She continued. She said, I bet that if I died tomorrow, no one would come to my funeral, not even you folks. And Garrison, as a 10-year-old boy, wanting to offer some kind of help or reassurance, he said, oh, I'd come. If you had your funeral, I'd be glad to come to your funeral. <laughs> Have you ever said something not knowing how it might be taken another way? Okay, hang on to that just for a second. In one of the darkest times in the Old Testament, God attempted to wake his people up by requiring or requesting of something most unusual from a prophet at the time who happened to be named Hosea. We just have, happen to have a picture of him. God told Hosea that because the Israelites were grossly living lives of unfaithfulness at that time, God told Hosea that I want you to marry a prostitute to give the people of the of, of give my people a word picture of what they were doing to him. So Hosea would represent God, and then his prostitute wife would represent the people of God. And as you might have guessed, even after Hosea and this woman married and had three children together, why she returned to her adulterous ways, and God wanted the people to see that they had done the exact same thing to him. Chapter 13 of Hosea's book of prophecy lists some of the different unfaithful acts that the people of God were committing against him. Uh, there was idolatry. There was human sacrifices to pagan gods. There was a disregard for God's provision and his protection, just to name a couple. 
So the rest of the chapter is God's response to their heinous acts of rebellion. So God says, I'm going to attack you like a bear or like a leopard or like a lion would attack you. God said, your sins will not be wiped off the record. They're going to be kept on the record. God said, no compassion will be offered. Desert winds will cancel spring. Your storehouses will be depleted. And because of your rejection of me, God said, the sword of death is going to come not just to you. It's going to come to your children and it's going to come to your expecting mothers. Now, I'm not sure it gets much darker than that. And the, and the language there, the Hebrew language is graphic. It's R-rated for sure. Look at verse 14. In this 13th chapter of Isaiah, all these pronouncements. God says, shall I ransom them from the power of Sheol, the place of the dead? Shall I redeem them from death? Oh, death, where are your thorns? Oh, Sheol, where is your sting? Compassion is hidden from my eyes because of their failure to repent. Now, God is speaking his thoughts through Hosea. And he's issuing a terrible pronouncement of doom. God, in effect, is saying, shall I ransom them from the power of the grave? Shall I redeem them from death? And this resounding, definite, no, I will not. He said, whatever compassion I might have had, it's hiding from me. I can't find it. You're not going to get any of it. Now, that's what the Old Testament prophet wrote. And nearly 800 years goes by and his very words are going to be taken completely differently this verse that i read to you this 14th verse of hosea chapter 13 is only referred to one other time in all of scripture and it's in the new testament but the writer here has a very different take on what Hosea was saying from the Lord. Look at what it says. Scripture will be fulfilled that says, death is swallowed up in victory, vanquished forever. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Now, Paul was speaking this to a church plant in the city of Corinth. Largely, the people reading that would have been Gentile believers, but there would be some Jewish believers in there also. And the Jewish believers and audience who would have read these words would have been shocked because the inspired writer combined a prophecy of hope and life with a judgment prophecy of gloom and doom. The first part of that that said scripture will be fulfilled, death is swallowed up in victory. Let me show you where that prophecy comes from. This was 800 years earlier by the prophet Isaiah. Look at this. This is Isaiah 25 starting in 6. This is the prophecy 800 years before Paul wrote what he wrote. On this mountain Zion, the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples to welcome his reign on earth, a banquet of aged wines, choice pieces flavored with marrow, or of refined aged wine, mentioned wine twice. And on this mountain he will destroy the covering that is cast over all peoples and the veil of death that is woven and spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death and abolish it for all time. Now, the follower of Jesus, 
Paul combined a prophecy with no hope, Hosea 13, 14, with a prophecy of abundant hope, Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6 through 8. Now, how could he do that? How could the Apostle Paul, a Holy Spirit-filled follower of Jesus, change a prophecy of judgment and doom into a prophecy of life and hope? Well, the reason he changed that prophecy is because something very significant happened to him. Look, Paul says, For I passed on to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to that which the scriptures foretold, and that he was buried, and that he was bodily raised on the third day, according to that which the scriptures foretold, and that he appeared to Cephas Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, the majority of whom are still alive, but some have fallen asleep in death. Then he was seen by James, then by all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely, prematurely, traumatically born, he appeared to me also. Paul, along with hundreds of other eyewitnesses, saw the risen Christ. The fact of Jesus' resurrection, established by eyewitness testimony, changes all prophecies of eternal death into prophecies of eternal life for the believer. Death is no longer to be feared. Death no longer has a stinger. Death is no longer a defeat. The resurrection of Jesus has issued a defiance of death. For the believer in Jesus, death is no longer the end of life. In J.R. Tolkien's epic novel, The Lord of the Rings, the fortified capital of Gondor becomes the stage area in which the great conflict will be fought between good and evil. All is seemingly lost, and evil forces are ramming through gate after gate into that city. And Gandalf the wizard and Pippin the hobbit are trapped inside and believe that things are about to end. And Pippin looks up at Gandalf, and he says, I didn't think it would end this way. And Gandalf responds, end? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we must all take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back, all turns to silver glass, and then you see it. What? Gandalf, see what? white shores and beyond a far green country under a swift sunrise. Well, that isn't so bad. No. No, it isn't. Death here on earth for the believer in Jesus is but the beginning of the real story. A story which never ends 
a story which C.S. Lewis says gets better and better with every new chapter he writes. We're but in the title page. We've just, we've just barely see that door begin, that the book cover begin to open. You guys, when Jesus burst forth in glorious day from that night of death, death lost its grip on him. Father, this is what we believe. This is what you said. This is what eyewitnesses saw. And this is our confidence. We are yours. And we're so thankful that you belong to us. Thank you, God, for these solid truths. We are excited about your return. Make us live lives of faith in the resurrection. In Jesus' name.